The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. It's signing day for the 2021 class, the early signing day. And we'll uh, hear our conversation with Teddy Prohaska here in a moment. Excited to spend a few minutes uh, coming up also with uh, more of Nebraska's 21 class. Uh, Marcus Buford this hour. We'll hear from Scott Frost. And uh, his thoughts on the class of 2021. Uh, Heinrich Harburg uh, from Cardi Catholic kicks us off here for the signing day special on Hale Varsity Radio. Heinrich, thanks for the time today. How's your day been? Well, it's been pretty uh, pretty low key for a signing day, but um, you know, pretty awesome. Excited for everyone in this class, and can't wait to get to work. Let's talk about chemistry, uh, Heinrich, and. Just, uh, I, I guess, the, the connection that you've built with some of the kids in this class and just overall the group of guys you've been able to to bond with uh, over group text or in person in, in such a crazy COVID year. I mean, just take us through how you've reached out, made uh, made friendships, and, and that next step for you guys. Yeah, so, um, you know, it, there's a couple different group chats um there's obviously one big one and a couple different ones with um you know local guys um you know that we've um you know we've met up before and hung out um but i think that's been a key part in this process especially with um covid just getting to know each other um and getting to hang out outside of football and um you know just doing stuff on our own Heinrich, we've heard a lot about you from our friends Doug Duda, uh, as well as Derek Peterson, who've uh, both been covering your season this year for Kearney Catholic. Uh, but I want to hear it straight from you. How, how do you describe your own game, and what can Husker fans expect to see from you once you uh, once you step on the field? Yeah, um, hopefully, um, you know, I develop. Uh, no, not hopefully. Um, I know Coach Rudisko will um, develop me into a quarterback that can um, make any throw on the field. Um, you know, obviously, um, I believe I have the athletic ability to excel at that level um, and make plays with my feet as well. Um, you know, you're going to get a guy who um, um, isn't afraid of anything, um, you know, competition or um, or just, you know, um, facing a bigger, um, higher-ranked team. Um, I'm going to come and compete every day. How did that fearlessness develop in you? When did you kind of grow into that, or has it always been just part of your personality? Um, you know, I used to be. I mean, you know, I still am a 
you know, I'm not super outgoing until, you know, I kind of get to know you, but, um, you know, I'm, you know, just that, that's just something that's had to naturally come along. Um, you know, you don't, it's hard to get recruited, um, and go to camps when you're just a central Nebraska kid. Um, and so that's developed over time, just, um, you know, whether it's being stepping foot in Atlanta and going to Elite 11 with some of the best quarterbacks in the nation, um, you can't you can't hesitate for a second. Um, and so that's those are just some of the things that have built that over time, um, and I think it will continue to grow. Why do you think that, and I don't want to say that you doubt yourself because you don't, but you just kind of gave us an example. You're going to an Elite 11 down in Hot Atlanta. Is it just because of, of the – the the smaller size and I'm not being disrespectful when I ask that but is that is that the perception that you've battled? Yeah, um, you know that's the thing is um, that you have to um, come up with you have to um, you have to almost you know, defy the perception I guess um, and you know the the perception is as you said um, you know a small small town. Um, you know, Central Nebraska kid um, going to compete with some of the best. Um, and so you can't walk in there just thinking that you're that. You're just that. Um, you can't let that to define you almost. About a minute left here with Heinrich Harburg, uh, currently Catholic quarterback, uh, newly signed to the Huskers. Heinrich, a lot of talented quarterbacks in the area, and just even in this the state of Nebraska. Uh, I know Cole Payton had a, a big game in the championship game, um, really made himself uh, a name there. But what does it mean to you that the, uh, the Husker coaches picked you out of all the quarterbacks that they could have gone to uh, in the area and in the state? Uh, they settled on you and decided that they wanted you to be your quarterback for the class. Yeah, you know, um, obviously, um, you know, I've, I've played with Cole, um, been on seven on seventeen with him, and you know saw the year that he had, and you know he's a he's a heck of a quarterback, um, and he's gonna, you know, I, I wish nothing but the best for him, and I know he's gonna ball out at NDSU, and um, you know he's gonna he's gonna develop into a really good quarterback, um, but it, it does mean a lot that um, you know Coach Frost and Coach Produsco, um, you know decided to pick me over um, some of the guys in the area and even in the country. Heinrich Harburg with us, Sale Varsity Radio, uh, quarterback for Nebraska's 2021 class. Uh, just real quick, uh, your excitement. I mean, what do you love about this offense? What do you love about what you can learn with, with Coach uh, Mario and, and just your skill set and that application? Uh, real quick, how, you know, how excited are you to, to, to play in something that uh, at times can be really good and at times there's, there's a work in progress with the offense? Yeah, um, every offense is always a work in progress. There's no such thing as a perfect offense. Um, and so I think, um, you know, Nebraska is still trying to find the um, their rhythm um, and what they can and can't do. Um, and hopefully that develops over time as I'm there um, and it molds to the strength of um, the quarterback room. Um, and so hopefully that by the time I'm there um, and – you know, playing, um, you know, there's where all the hiccups are out of the way, and uh, it's just, um, you know, good development from wins. Last thought, what, what, what goals do you have, and what goals does this class have with, with the program? I mean, what, what's, the, what's the big picture thought? I mean, have you guys talked about that? 
yeah, you know, this the team that they're that Nebraska has right now is so young. Um, there are so many talented players on there that, um, you know, as Coach Frost says, it's it's so close to being um, back to what we know it or you know what Nebraska knows it to be. Um, you know, a powerhouse, and I think it can become that. Um, you know, obviously this year hasn't been the it hasn't been the best, but there's been a lot of developing. Um, you know, those guys are. Um, you know, they're they're laying the foundation right now for um for the rest of the for later classes to come through and um you know win and be successful. Heinrich, best to you and thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. All right, Heinrich Harburg with us, Cardi Catholic uh, Hale Varsity Radio. We had a chance to talk with Teddy Prohaska. Can we squeeze in some of that here, Elijah? Our chat with Teddy. Let's step in with a uh, big-time get uh, just up the road from Elkhorn South. Teddy Prohaska is with his offensive tackle. Teddy, what's the, uh, I guess, the wait been like for you to finally uh, sign on the dotted line today? Well, you know, it's been a long time coming. Uh, it's just this day I've been waiting, looking forward to it for months now. And uh, now that it's actually here and I'm finally signing and officially a Husker, it's just like a weight's been lifted off my shoulders, and I'm just overly, overly joyed. Teddy Prohaska is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, early signing day 2020 for the 2021 class. Now, Teddy, I want to kind of get into your recruitment for a moment. And uh, yeah, Barrett Rood and Greg Austin were very key in, in helping you become a Husker. And I know you're, you're a, a Nebraska guy, but... Was there ever a, a moment, or did you ever wonder, or was it always Nebraska for you? Kind of take us through your process, and then ultimately what made you most comfortable. Yeah, so when they first offered me, I it was kind of a dream come true just because growing up in Nebraska, that's like the dream of that every football player has is going to go play there. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. It, it was I was kind of open to other schools. If they wanted to, you know, offer me or if they were interested in me, I'd go check them out. But uh, as the process kind of went along, I found myself making more relations with the coaches at Nebraska than I was at other schools. Uh, I was making relationships with some of the players there and uh, some of the other recruits that they had coming in. And so I just kind of felt more comfortable with that program. I now I'm I, I don't think I, if I could do it all again, I'd do it any differently. Uh, and just in the end, it was just the coaching staff. I'm comfortable with them. The game day environment that they have, the fans. I mean, of course, this year it's not the same, but mm-hmm. I know that it's going to get to that eventually while I'm still there. And uh, I, I mean, there's really nothing more to it. Teddy, with with Coach Austin, your your position coach, how is he able to connect with you? And I mean, you know as well as a lot of Nebraska kids that Nebraska offensive line tradition. Being an in-state kid, what is it about Coach Austin that you believe in? And then vice versa, what did he what did he see in you? Obviously, your measurements are great. You play great football, but again, it's a jump to a major Power Five league. Yeah, I mean, from the first day I met him, I knew that there was something special about him. He he tells it how it is. If he you know has some criticism, he'll let you know, but he'll also let you know what you can do to improve on that. 
And I just felt like that openness that we had with each other. I mean, he was still recruiting me and wanted me to go there. But, I, I mean, he did it in a way that made me feel comfortable in knowing that he was going to be the, my coach and teacher for what was to come. Also, uh, he saw my physicality. You know, obviously measurables play a big factor into it. But when you're my size, it's also about physicality and my ability to pull and block in the open space. And they've kind of, you know, let me know that that's how they want to use me as guy to get out into space and make those blocks on linebackers or, you know, pass protection. He enjoys how I, you know, do my pass pro. And uh, he, that's what he would just tell me throughout this season, last season, throughout the entire recruiting process. Teddy, I want to ask you briefly about some of the other guys that are in your recruiting class. Uh, you got to play against one of them in the state championship game. That was Kobe Bretz. Um, but which yeah. of those guys are you closest with? Uh, and uh, which ones are you most excited to step on the field with? Um, I'd say I'm closest with Henry Litowski, Thomas Fedoni, Seth Malcolm, Heinrich. And uh, I, those are like some of the guys that I, I've hung out with before. I'm close with A.J. Rollins, James Carney. Uh, those like those in-state guys, Kobe. Uh, I'd say I'm most excited to step on the field with Henry, just because of how close we've become throughout this process. He was one of the fir- uh, one of the first guys I told that was one of the recruits from Nebraska that I was committing. You know, we're rooming together. That I mean, I've seen his film. I know that he's going to do great things there. I just can't wait to play with him. Teddy Broaska is with us. Few more minutes. Signing day, December, the early signing session for the 2021 class. Teddy Broaska is with us from Elkhorn South. Signed to be a Husker this morning. So, Teddy, I mean, have the guys given you a nickname or anything? Are you the ambassador? You, you touched on the, uh, the the chemistry you have with the guys. You were hosting a lot of watch parties. I mean, how many how many football games did you and some of the guys sit and watch together? Um, about two or three, but I mean, that's when they can make it up. Uh, no, no nicknames quite yet. We do have a group chat called operation Teddy's house. So <laughs> we text in that if we're planning on making, uh, having all the guys left to come watch the game, but uh, I bet the nicknames will come soon. Operation Teddy's house. So give us an idea. I mean, you got linemen, you've got defensive backs, you've got skill guys, yeah. What, what was the spread like? Let's talk food for a minute. We'll get into more football. But what was the spread like in the basement? You know, uh, we got to get the pizza. The, we got we, uh, catered runzas and, you know, uh, wings, all the whole nine yards for giving it like a somewhat Nebraska game day feel when it comes to food. Okay. Uh, who put the most food away? Or did you kind of take that home because of being on the O-line, being as big as you are? Yeah, I mean, I would say between me and Henry, we kind of clear house when it comes to eating food. If there's anything left over, we'd kind of just go through and pick it off. <laughs> Teddy, while we're on the topic of food, you got a pretty big frame, and I expect that you're probably going to be filling that out as you get uh, to the University of Nebraska, uh, putting away a lot of food. But, but what do these coaches have planned for you in terms of strength and conditioning, in terms of what type of body they want for you, and, and where they want you on the offensive line? Well, um, I'm sitting at about 297 right now, just under like 300. They told me that they can get me playing healthy and still able to move at 325. I know that it's going to come gradually. I put weight on pretty easily. But uh, lifting a lot of weights and eating a lot of food, I mean, that's kind of the game plan right now. Teddy, when did you kind of 
hone in on on football just in in your life when did when did it go okay this is a sport i i I really like most you're pretty athletic well i mean football has always been like a huge part of my life i mean flag football through youth tackle football through middle school through high school it didn't really sink in that this could be something that i could do at like a college level until i got that first offer and when it happened uh i mean it kind of that's when I realized, hey, I'm not really going to be focusing on any other sports, that this is the sport I'm going to play. I did play basketball still, mm-hmm. but, I mean, that, that was just kind of a side thing for me to stay in shape. What's your uh, take on things right now, Teddy, is you're going to enroll early and get there and, and bond with some of the, the, the current guys, and I'm sure you've been able to talk to guys that are on the team, but, you know, uh, just as coach coaches have said, the ups and downs, the in, inconsistency, they're, they're working on turning a corner. Uh, what's your, your view on that, and what's a class goal? Have you guys talked about some of the things you want to do? You know, yeah. The coaches have said it. It's inconsistency, shooting shooting themselves in the foot. You can, I mean, from my perspective, I can see the O line looking a lot better and progressively looking better than what they used to look like. And I think that's just kind of the culture thing. You know, the coaching program, their coaching staff there kind of came in, and I felt like the culture was broken. But uh, it's just kind of a rebuilding the culture, and they're close. You know, they're losing close games. I know that's going to turn around eventually, but with this class, I mean, the yeah, thing I notice most is there's a lot of guys that are prepared to work their asses off, you know, get in day one, hit the weight room, start working, you know, learn the playbook and want to make an impact as soon as possible just to turn that curve and start winning games that we need to win. Teddy, I'll, I'll let you get out on this. And Teddy Prohaska is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. We hear a lot about culture, and we understand culture. But in your mind, what can you define a successful culture? What's that like in the locker room, peer to peer? I'd say holding each other accountable. You know, uh, if if a player sees that one player is kind of slacking on certain drills or didn't have the best practice is holding them accountable, making sure that they get that figured out, making sure that they're coming back 10 times harder the next time around at the next practice or next game or whatever it is, the next drill. And then eventually that's just going to translate to games. Is this everybody's holding each other accountable, you know, believing that they can win these games, working as hard as they can. I, I feel like that's, that's winning culture. Teddy Brohaska, Elkhorn South. And, and of course, uh, part of Nebraska's 2021 class. Teddy, best of luck to you. We'll do this again. Thanks for a few minutes with Hale Varsity. Thank you. Appreciate it. So whether you're enjoying life on the trail or working hard on the job, see how far an extra mile can really go by taking the first step into an authorized Mercedes-Benz van dealership today. Now with IRS Section 179, businesses could be eligible for up to a $25,900 tax deduction. That's up to $5,439 in tax savings. Options and model availability may vary. See dealer for details about costs and terms. Some equipment described as optional. $5,439 tax savings based on 21% federal tax rate and eligibility to claim full $25,900 Section 179 vehicle deduction. Your tax rate and eligibility may vary. Consult your tax advisor for more information. Limits may apply. Visit mpvans.com. Offer valid through December 31st, 2020. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! 
Signing day for 2021. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio. Uh, apologies to the affiliates. We will get on track here. But uh, great conversation with Heinrich Harburg, Teddy Prohaska, and a tremendous athlete uh, that Nebraska was able to get out of DeSoto, Texas. We welcome in Marcus Buford uh, to the show as it's signing day 2021. Marcus, thanks for a few minutes today. How's your day? My day's going... Shoot, as advertised, great right now. <laughs> so I couldn't have a better. I couldn't be having a better day right now. Well, congrats on signing with Nebraska, and uh, of course, the top uh, prep school player in the country is headed to Lincoln. And Marcus, take us through your your story as far as just how Nebraska got on your radar, and how Nebraska stayed on your radar through today. Um. So Nebraska was. They offered me probably about a month within the time period where I decided to go post-grad and do a year at prep school. And from the day they offered me to the day I committed, and even till now, they've shown nothing but love. And, you know, the coaching staff, they did a great job with not only making me feel like I was a part of what they have going on, but they made my parents and my younger brother as well, and I feel like that was a key part to my commitment to Nebraska. Marcus Buford's with us on Hale Varsity Radio, uh, top uh, prep school player in the country and uh, also uh, powerhouse program at Trinity Christian down in Texas. So where where do you want to play? All right, because you can play about uh, several different spots defensively. <laughs> Uh, where, where I'm sure you've been asked this four million times today and, and leading up, but as uh, the ink's dry now, where where do you feel most comfortable? Where's Coach Fisher foresee you? Um, honestly, I feel comfortable wherever they put me on the field. You know, I feel like my skill set allows me to play pretty much every position on the defensive side of the ball at a very high level, and wherever the team needs me best to, you know, get the job done and win games. That's where I'll be playing. No questions asked about it. So do you like corner better? Do you like safety best? Do you like that hybrid backer spot? What, Where where do you like to kind of go ball? Uh, if I had to pick a favorite, I'll probably stay corner just because, you know, I'm a competitor and having that one-on-one matchup all game, regardless of if we're a man, you know, seeing the same guy and knowing that you have you know, responsibility for this guy and kind of having your pride on the line and everything like that. I like I like to play corner. Talking with the Husker signee Marcus Buford here on Hale Varsity Radio. And a lot of it's, a lot has been made of the uh, the chemistry of this class. That was one of the things Scott Frost brought up a couple times in his press conference today uh, was just that he feels that this class has uh, gotten to know each other pretty well. Um, are there any guys that you have connected with well and have you picked a, a roommate for uh-huh. the upcoming semester? Repeat that. He didn't hear you. Did you have me, Marcus? Oh, yeah, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. Sorry about that. I was just asking about the team chemistry and the chemistry of uh, your recruiting class. Uh, Just who have you connected with well in this recruiting class, and have you picked a roommate for the upcoming semester? Um, So I haven't picked a roommate for the upcoming semester, but me and the guys, you know, we have our own little group chat and everything that, you know, we talk to each other. I can say pretty much every day about, you know, how life is going, uh, how we feel about, you know, 
getting up to Lincoln and getting moved in and settled in and stuff like that. So I think our class chemistry is definitely great right now. Um, everybody pretty much has the same mindset as like for a team and everything. So I definitely have great bright things ahead of us. Marcus, uh, I look at some of the, the schools that came after you. That's A&M, that's Ole Miss, that's Iowa State, to, to just name a few. And uh, when it came down to your fit in this defense, this style of defense, did, did that weigh pretty heavy? Ultimately, what, what helped Nebraska win out? Um, honestly, as far as football-wise, I would have to say relationships with the coaches and within the defense, you know, Coach Fish and Coach Chen, they like – they like to use guys in, like, different types of ways. And I feel like with my versatility that that would be the greatest spot for me, knowing that I'll have the opportunity to showcase how I can play at every position on the defensive side of the ball. Do you guys spend time talking about the, the current season in your group chat? And if so, what, what's been your reaction to kind of the ups and downs? Um, honestly, we talk about the wins, the losses all the time. And we're all still really confident in what this coaching staff has going on. Obviously, you know, the record doesn't show it, but this team has definitely been growing throughout the season. And it's just a few small plays that dictate, you know, the win and loss out of the game. It's not anyone just flat out beating beating us or being better than us. It's a few little mishaps that happen. And my class, a lot of the guys in the group chat, we talk about how we're going to be the difference makers and we're not going to let the same mistakes that happen now happen to us. So we could get way better results. Marcus, are, are you in contact with any guys that are currently on the team? Uh, and which of those guys uh, that are currently playing uh, on the Husker defense are you most excited to, to go and learn from? Um, so I pretty much talked to Alante and then Cam, their roommates right now. So pretty much Alante FaceTimes me from time to time or I'll call him. And, you know, it's just us checking in on each other. He's always giving me a hassle talk, making sure that I'm still, that I was still staying solid in Nebraska and I was locked in all the way. And the most, the player I'm, hoping to learn from the most. I could definitely say Cam, you know. He's a great ball player, and the plays he makes, I can. I feel like I have the ability to make those plays. So, you know, getting in, taking his little tips and tricks that, you know, he's been doing, obviously, seeing his success in the Big Ten as a whole and college football, he's definitely a top defensive back in my mind in the country. So, you know, getting to learn his little tricks, and branch off everything that he gives to me. Marcus, uh, Cam Taylor-Britt, second-team All-Big Ten, announced today. Is your game similar to his? And I think uh, you, you mentioned the versatility. Cam's played a lot of different spots. Yeah, I definitely feel like me and Cam probably play a little bit similar to each other. You know, I wouldn't say exactly alike. You know, I don't think anybody is the same person, but mm-hmm. we definitely have some similarities as far as, like, our style of play and, like, our competitive nature and stuff like that. All right, I got to let you go on this one. 
So down at uh, Trinity Christian, I mean, it's primetime country. That's Deion Sanders, man. And that was your one of your coaches in high school. And I grew up watching him. And I'm interested what, what it was like getting coached by Dion and in his personality because, man, he was, he was a showman on the field, and, and he backed it up quite a bit, obviously. Yeah, honestly, playing for um, Coach Dion was an uh, opportunity of a lifetime, I would say. I learned a lot from him, and it taught me a lot about – he taught me a lot about being mature – and, you know, doing stuff when I don't feel like doing it, you know. He always made sure he held everyone accountable, no matter, like, what their rank is. Everyone gets held accountable at the same rate. And I feel like that was just a great opportunity and learning experience for me. Is that something you witnessed on, on other teams or programs when you're playing somebody? maybe a team not being as mature as, as your team and, and possibly being a difference if everything's equal or talent level's pretty comparable? Yeah, I feel like, honestly, your mindset, I feel like it'll separate you way more than, like, your athletic ability at the end of the day. Like, somebody could be as fast or as strong as they want to be, but if they can't think and know what they're supposed to do, then they're not going to have any success. And that was one of the main things that our coaches at Trinity prided us on. Like, regardless of if you can make a mistake and your speed can get you back in the play, don't make that mistake. Like, make sure your technique is always on 100 so you, your athletic ability can make you have a boost on people instead of making you equal to the people. Marcus Buford with us and uh, the top uh, prep school player and uh, athlete going to play different spots uh, for Nebraska. Coach Janander and uh, Coach Fisher uh, able to land uh, Marcus and uh, out of DeSoto, Texas. Marcus, we'll do this again. Congrats on signing day for you, and thanks for spending time with Hale Varsity. All right. Thank you for having me. Take care. Marcus Buford with us on Hale Varsity. So, We'll uh, have some more thoughts from Scott Frost himself, the uh, signing day presser. We'll have a good chunk of that coming up if you missed it as uh, Coach Frost was able to spend uh, about 25 minutes or so on, on signing day. 19, no defectors, and still some spots looming for Nebraska to round out the class in in uh, this 2019, or I should say this 2021 uh, class, uh, 19 kids, but still some spots open. And I think the, the big news locally uh, is obviously... Avante Dickerson, I Avante think. out of Westside, holding off this morning with the rest of his crew signing to go a lot of different places. Yeah, I was going to ask Teddy about that, but I think we ran out of time. So. But, I mean, Avante was supposed to go to Minnesota, and he's hanging out till till February. So, uh, Scott Frost, uh, part of his press conference, signing day 2021, next on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Good stuff from Teddy Prohaska, Henrik Harburg, and, uh, yes, you just heard from... 
uh, Marcus Buford. So let's hear from Scott Frost, his overview of this 2021 early signing day and some of the kids he got, a lot of in-state kids, five Nebraskans signing the play ball for the Big Red. Uh, I'm really impressed with the work our staff did, uh, considering uh, you know the fact that we couldn't go on the rec- road recruiting. We couldn't get kids to come in here. Um, I think we signed a really good class, a lot of pieces that are going to fit together with what we have. Uh, and I think it's going to be the key to getting us over the top. Uh, we just got to continue to add add talent and uh, feel like this group did that. And I think it's a little more of a regional class. You know, we got five kids out of Nebraska again, a lot from the Midwest. Um, you know, that I, I, I think there's good talent in the state right now, and, and we're trying to get as much of that as we can. There's good talent in the region and um, some really good pieces from a little farther away, too. So uh, considering uh, everything that was going on with a COVID year, uh, I'm really excited about this group. Caleb Henry, KLIN. Coach, uh, with all the different ways you had to recruit this year, sorry, um, what did your staff learn about itself not being able to get out in person and, and get the guys to, to campus? What did we learn about ourselves? Uh, I don't know. We learned how to use Zoom better. Um, you know, it, w- one of the biggest selling points of coming to Nebraska, if you're a player, especially from far away, is coming and seeing the games and seeing the fans and meeting the people and experiencing all that. Um, the guys had to work hard to get it done without the benefit of those things. And, um, the group that we have coming in are great kids. Uh, I think there's really talented people in this group, and they're already pretty tight. They're on a, a group chat, and, and I think all these guys know each other really well and know some of the players on our team really well. So um, our staff had to, just like a lot of staffs, I'm sure, had to had to find new ways to get it done and different ways to get it done and um, certainly feel good about where we are. Kevin Suits. Coach, you have one quarterback in this class. He's an in-state guy in Heinrich Harburg. Uh, when you evaluate him, how much is he maybe above some of the other quarterbacks that have come through this state over the past uh, 10, 15 years? Uh, been impressed with him since the first time I watched him. I uh, love his size, love his arm strength, um, his overall athletic ability. Um, I think with, with some training, he has a chance to be really good, really good quarterback for us. So we got to add him to that group and – uh, get to work with him, and it, you know he's from right near my my hometown. So we used to play Carney Catholic all the time back then. I, we used to beat them up pretty good. I think they're getting the best of it now. Uh, a lot of that has to do with him, but really like talking to him. Um, he's really uh, committed to being good and uh, and determined, and uh, I think he's got a, a ton of raw material to work with to make him a good player. Evan Bland, World Herald. Hey, Scott, I'm just curious, how much did the circumstances around the pandemic, first of all, limit the, the pool of prospects you as coaches went after? And then conversely, did you get the sense that uh, the, the recruiting limitations maybe helped simplify the process for some of the guys that you ended up signing? It might have simplified it a little bit. No, you know, I hadn't really thought about that, but um, you know, we still worked really hard to identify as many people as we could that thought could play here. Um, you know, we're going to offer quite a few guys and and try to recruit quite a few guys. Anybody that w- we think is a, a above the line and, and somebody that's going to make our program better. Um, you know, that number probably got whittled down faster this year than normal. Uh, a lot of kids saying if they can't ever get here, 
and see it, it you know it, that's just a hard sell uh, for some kids but the relationships with our coaches uh gets us the type of kids that we want to get and we were able to foster those relationships uh even without having seen some of these kids ever in person so um again kudos to the coaching staff they worked hard to get this done Compared to maybe some other classes, how well do you feel like you guys know this group of prospects coming in? Um, I still feel like I know them all really well, but there's several I've never been in the same room with. You know, I've never seen in person. Um, there's been probably more phone calls this year, more FaceTimes, more chats, those types of things than maybe even other years, probably for sure more than other years. So you get to know somebody, but um, – Without home visits and official visits and unofficial visits, um, there's a few that I've never met before. So um, looking forward to working with this group, though. Back to Parker Gabriel. Scott, I know you don't. You guys don't like to really push guys on whether they're going to come early or not, but it seems like a big group, maybe a dozen or so of these of this class is going to um, what does that do for them? And do you think that the pandemic maybe affected that decision for some of those kids too? It might've, you know, uh, the way high schools are right now in COVID, I might be ready to get out of there too. I don't know. Uh, I think some of them spring sports were a question mark and prom was probably a question mark. And, uh, they're probably tired of half days in school and those types of things. Um, but there's just more and more of that happening too. Um, you know, kids are kids are ready to take the next step and move on. I think kids that do early enroll uh, get a chance to go through spring ball, get accustomed to college, get accustomed to the team, and that gives them a better opportunity probably to play early um, than if they showed up in June or July. So I think we got 13 uh, coming in early, and, and that's a good number. It's going to help our, our depth and our talent, talent pool in the spring. Hey, Scott, um, I'm sure you're ready to be done with Zoom for a while. But are, are there some things that you guys picked up as a staff um, this year, um, you know, with technology, whether it's virtual visits or any, anything else that was that, that, you know, where you communicated differently that can help you in the future in a, in a normal recruiting cycle? I think definitely uh, got to give a lot of credit to the recruiting staff, um, Dylan and Callahan and Mossbrucker. Also a lot of credit to Ora Garst, uh, does a lot of our social media stuff, a lot of the videos that people watch, um, helped us out with some of the virtual visits and those types of things. And I, I think there is a use for some of that going forward. Uh, ideally, we still get a lot more kids to Lincoln. I think that's that gives us our best chance when kids come see it for themselves. But um, this has probably made us work a little harder to find find ways to share with kids what Lincoln's like and what Nebraska's like without getting them here. I've got a question, too, about the tight ends, um, the decision to go with three in this group, um, and then specifically uh, on Fedoni, just what you see for, for his potential um, as a weapon in this offense down the road. Yeah, um, there's three guys. Um, you know, you never know where guys are going to end up position-wise, but um, at, at the tight end spot, you know, we've only recruited a couple since I've been at Nebraska. Um those guys are, aren't in the program anymore for a couple different reasons. So we really um, are veteran at that spot. Um, you know, Jack's a senior and Austin and uh, Raftall and Tyler are all juniors. Uh, and we don't really have anybody 
on scholarship younger than that. So it, it's a position we had to restock. I love the group we have. All three guys are big, talented athletes. Um, Thomas specifically is, is uh, probably has as much potential as about anybody I've recruited. Um, when you watch his tape and and look at his frame and his speed and, and just the uh, talent that he has. So we're anxious to get to work with him, and I think he's going to be uh, probably versatile enough. We can do quite a few things with him. More on signing day 2021 for Nebraska football. We'll wind down hour one with Hale City, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. What final time this hour? So, uh, Mr. Carney from Norris is coming up here in 30 minutes. Uh, Brad Edwards shortly. Greg Smith going to join that, that Carney segment at 525. Uh, really, really talented kid out of Norris. You know, uh, we'll get to tight ends in a moment. We, we just heard Scott Frost talk about taking three tight ends and totally good with that because of, I, I think of the old Harbaugh-Stanford offense where they had three monsters getting open. I think of the tight end usage in uh, Central Florida's offense. And I look at what Austin Allen's been doing for Nebraska this year. And when Stoll's been healthy, he's nice. Such a difference maker. And even Vokalek, uh, they, they run <laughs> two of the three tight ends uh, in really good spacing. And the tight ends have been really big time this year. Is As limited as Nebraska's passing game or consistency's been, you've had really good consistency from the tight end. want to remind you about buckling up 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska. Not wearing a safety belt, if used properly, a seatbelt can reduce risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash is buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. More from Scott Frost, but first let's hear from Carney. A little bit, uh, he uh, had his signing ceremony this morning at Norris. We'll have a little further discussion with Carney here coming up here next hour. I mean, I know there's Nebraska, I mean, it's college football, Division One football, Big Ten football. Uh, you know, kids aren't high school kids. You know, they're really good athletes. And, you know, I'm going to put my head down and just bust my ass and, you know, go for it. So it's, it's going to be fun. I don't know. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of, of ass-busting per Prohaska. Right. Uh, you had Harburg, uh, you've got uh, Carney and James, uh, again, just a, a really nice body type, 6'5", 220 for Norris. And Elijah, you, um, you, you've seen some pretty versatile guys in your high school career, and you've seen some of your friends and teammates when you played for Southeast in Class A ball and even Class B ball. You've seen guys make the transition, but... The, the the regional talent is something to be excited about. Obviously, uh, Thomas Fedoni, be sure to, to log on HaleVarsity.com. Uh, Aaron Sorensen had a nice uh, interview along with Greg Smith uh, on the YouTube channel for Hale Varsity. So uh, Fedoni's uh, the, the headliner, but you've got some really, really talented kids that can line up and, and be that mismatch on offense. And I think it's good to see that now that Nebraska is targeting some of these kids around Nebraska, even Western Iowa, guys like that that usually don't get much attention, uh, they're starting to get attention from schools around the country more than more than usual. And I think that's good on Scott Frost, and I think that just shows that 
maybe there is more talent in the, the area of Nebraska than uh, most people around the country might think. You have generational talent in this region this year and next year and two years from now. Walk-ons, uh, I'm excited about, man. Derek Branch, good ball player, really good ball player from Southeast. Alex Bullock is tremendous. Really special kid ball from player. from Creighton Prep, right? The Prep kid. Yeah, had a chance to watch him. Uh, you've got Sam Hoskinson out of Elkhorn South. The pride, you know, the other pride of Ord, uh, Kellen Meyer. You've got Andy Markowski, uh, Kellen Meyer. Uh, Evan Meyer, sick. Another tight end from Millard West. Good ball player. Just going through. Really talented. Aiden Young. I mean, a guy can ball. Brad Edwards coming up. A look at the college football playoff. How crazy could this weekend get? Uh, James Carney coming up, too. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time signing day, the early signing period. Lots of really talented. Nebraska signees with us in hour one more coming here this second hour we welcome in though college football insider it's a huge weekend college football championship games a playoff announcement bowls all that good stuff Brad Edwards back with us ESPN insider college game day at J Brad Edwards Brad uh, how how locked in are you uh, when it comes to, to signing day this early signing session uh, overall, we'll get to the playoffs here in a little bit, but you know the the big dogs keep on barking with uh, uh, monster classes. That's Ohio State, Clemson, and that's Alabama. What I look for, you know, it's really the class rankings. It, it's difficult uh, to obsess too much over any individual player because we've we've all seen plenty of five stars over the years who never pan out. So. Any one guy is not necessarily a lock to be an All-American or, or in some cases, even a starter. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you get enough of those guys, the odds are good that you know, you're going to have a, a pretty good team. And, and so that's what you look for. And you know, the, the teams that have done the best job of that in recent years are Alabama, obviously, Ohio <laughs> State, Clemson, and Georgia. And maybe you'd put LSU kind of up in that category for the most part and you know, everyone else is, is kind of a, a notch or two below that. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that those teams win a whole lot more games than almost everybody else does. So uh, those are the, uh, the usual suspects, and we see those teams once again, you know, right on top. And so if you're going to knock them off, you, you either have to have the best quarterback in college football playing on your team, or you're going to have to recruit a lot better, not just for one year, but over uh, at least a, a two if not all the way up to four-year cycle. What program overachieves, in your opinion, the most in college football with their talent acquisition? What program underachieves based on their access to talent and what's on paper and either the kids just don't transition well or they're not developed well? Is there a leader in the clubhouse uh, either way for you when you look at the, the landscape? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that um, 
you know, maybe eight years or so ago, I would have pointed to Oregon as, you know, as the team because they were, you know, they were, they were always in that national championship mix, you know, always ranked up around the top five. And yet they, they really didn't have very many top 20 ranked recruiting classes through all of that. Um, and then more recently, I think the two that I would point to would be Wisconsin and Utah, you know, as teams that are, are usually very good um, and, and play well above the level of, of where their recruiting classes are ranked. And, and you know, as, as far as the disappointments, the underachievers, I, I, would, I would point to uh, the SEC, and, and it would probably be – in, in part due to the fact that even though these teams are recruiting at a top 10 level on average, <laughs> they're, they're only the you know, fourth or fifth best um, signing classes in their own conference each year. And those would be teams like Texas A&M or Tennessee, um, even Auburn, although Auburn certainly as much of a roller coaster as, as they are, they have their ups, and when you know they they had just three years ago, you know we're in position to get to the playoff. Uh, Florida is another one that um, obviously is up this year, but for quite a while had been down, despite usually having a top ten recruiting class. And like I said, I think a lot of that is due to them um, having to play a few teams every year that have more talent than they do, even though they have top ten talent. Brad, I, I have three schools that I'm interested in your take on as to why they aren't better or there's inconsistency. I look at Texas with their facilities, with Herman, their access to talent. And I know it's a, it's a crowded uh, hallway in the state of Texas with the rest of the yeah. world trying to come in there. But why why isn't Texas more consistent? Why is Michigan as, as well as even Hoke and, 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 of course, Harbaugh recruited, why Ohio State's one thing, but they're, they're going eight and four, right? And that's what's ticking the fan base off. And then even USC, right? SC's fine this year, but SC's been not your typical Pete Carroll uh, SC, right? So of those three yeah. schools, why, why are they so volatile when it comes to, to on-field performance versus what they land every December and February? Well, so with SC, um, I, I think it's obvious if you've been watching them, even though they are undefeated and have a chance to, to finish as an undefeated Pac-12 champ, they're not, they're not a top-10 caliber team. Um, they've, they've shown it by what it's taken for them to win a number of these games against unranked teams. And so um, their talent level clearly has fallen off. And then, um, you know, Texas, I think, is the same thing where – you know, you obviously they started to decline in the final years under Mac Brown, and they just haven't been able to quite get it back together yet. Where they're 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 playing it at what their their stars in recruiting say that they should be playing at, and I think there's a, there's a similar explanation for those two, where you, you look at the exodus of of players from the the states that they recruit, you know, their their home base, and I, I think with with Texas, you can point to Texas A&M joining the SEC as part of the reason why. There have been, in recent years, been a whole lot of the top players from the state of Texas that have gone to SEC schools, and and all of them have not been going to you know Alabama, LSU. There there have been some you know some other less heralded SEC programs. I'm not saying they've necessarily been beating Texas on a consistent basis, 
um, but are still getting, you know, top 200, 300 players out of the state of Texas. So there's just a lot more competition there uh, because of A&M being in the SEC. I, I don't know what you would attribute California to, but there's no question that in recent years, more of the top players in the state have decided to leave the entire Pac-12 and, and go east, go south. Um, and so I, I think that's contributed to it with USC. There's no reason that USC, though, shouldn't still be able to keep the best players home. They just haven't been able to, and very clearly – uh, Helton is just not a great recruiter. You know, I don't know whether it's him, his staff, both. It has to be both because there's just no excuse for what we've seen from them recently. What was the other team you mentioned? Um, Michigan, Texas, and SC. Michigan. Yeah, and, and you know, Michigan, Michigan. I think um, in recent years, more so than the others, has had classes that have been highly regarded. You know, when they were signed, and and, and look. Uh, they've had quite a few players go into the NFL in, in the last few drafts. Um, the, the head scratcher is, and, and, and look, and, and I think outside of, of the Ohio State issue, mm-hmm. um, in a lot of those seasons, they've dominated the rest of the Big Ten. This year, obviously, not so much. But um, I, I, the, the question is, why can they not beat Ohio State? Uh, because you, you look at, um, and I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I, I know I've used this, this comparison a lot is that you look at the state of Alabama, and, and I think the, the talent gap between Alabama and Auburn is probably similar to the talent gap between Ohio State and Michigan. And for whatever reason, Auburn still manages to beat Alabama every now and then. I mean, Gus Malzahn went 3-5 and five against Nick Saban, which, you know, against most teams, that would, be, that would be a bad job to win three out of eight. But against Alabama at this time, that's phenomenal. Um, but, but why can Michigan never beat Ohio State? It doesn't make sense. I don't know what the issue is, but if you follow the recruiting rankings, that wouldn't be the first thing that you would come to would be a, a lack of talent. Sure, they're not as talented as the Buckeyes, um, but it, they haven't been so inferior to them that they shouldn't be able to beat them ever. Right, when you look at Ohio State, it's another top three class for them this year. They actually have more five-star recruits than three-star recruits in their class overall. Well, why not? I, I, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's incredible what Ryan Day is able to do through recruiting. So, Brad, do you see Ohio State falling off in the next five years or anytime sooner? Or are they just going to remain top of the Big Ten year after year if they can keep putting together uh, recruiting classes like this? Yeah, I don't know what's going to stop them. You know, I mean, what usually stops programs that are on a run like this is – a coaching change when they hire the wrong guy. And we've seen a few examples recently where programs have, have just nailed it. Uh, Oklahoma followed by Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And look, Oklahoma, before Bob Stoops stepped down, was not recruiting at the level Ohio State is, and Lincoln Riley isn't either. Um, but the program has maintained because they made the right hire. And so uh, Ohio State is still – you know, a perennial playoff team because they continue to recruit at that level. And, and I, I, you know, unless, unless someone convinces Ryan Day to take a job in the NFL, I, I don't know what would cause that to, you know, to change any time in the next decade. Um, sure, if, if another Big Ten program were to arise as a, you know, as a contender and, a, you know, and a legitimate competitor with Ohio State, they might be able to take a few of those guys away. Uh, but uh, for right now, I mean, they can they can go anywhere in the country, and they get guys out of the south. Um, obviously, they go west wherever they need to go, and and pull the guys. And you know what? There's a certain percentage of the top players 
that don't want to be the next piece of the machine, like, you know, at Alabama. And there, there are a lot of guys who are fine with that, but there are others who they want to be the guy who made the difference in a program like LSU last year, you know, to let, let's start something. And, and while Ohio State did win a national title six years ago, it, it's been enough of a drought that I, I see the appeal for a lot of top players around the country to go to a place like that where, um, where they can bring a program its first championship in a while, and it would be a lot more special than just adding to the pile of them at Alabama. Brad Edwards with us. A couple more minutes. Hail Varsity Radio signing day for uh, the uh, early session for 2021. Brad, uh, how does what, – what's, what's the most chaotic things could get for, for Saturday into Sunday? What, what do you foresee shaking out, and how does a, a tire get blown so it, it's an unexpected Final Four for the playoff? Yeah, I think the biggest domino would be Notre Dame beating Clemson again. And, and that would be the one where probably Clemson is out. I don't know that we can say that for certain. Um, if it were to be another great game that was decided on the last play, mm-hmm. maybe the committee would say, okay, you know, they have two losses and they're not a conference champ, but Clemson is just clearly one of the four best teams, and so therefore we're going to keep them there. I don't think that's out of the question, but it certainly if they were to lose again, it would open up the door for either a Texas A&M or maybe a Big 12 champion. Um, I don't really – See too many opnos right now. I think the committee has shown us what it's Cincinnati. So, um, but but anyway, that I mean that would still be like. Can you imagine Iowa State getting in the playoff, or even or even <laughs> us waking up Sunday morning thinking Iowa State has a chance to be in the playoff um, if they were to win the Big Twelve on Saturday? That would um, that would be something that we never saw coming, and we would have never imagined would have happened in our lifetime. So the fact that that's even in play right now, I, I think, is interesting. The, the one other one that I, I know nobody's talking about it because anyone who watches the games can't conceive of it at all. It seems absolutely impossible, which is for Northwestern to beat Ohio State. But if somehow they did, and I couldn't begin to explain to you how it could happen, but if somehow they did, I think Northwestern has a shot from 14 getting all the way in the top four. Really? I mean, if, you, if you just look at the standings and who's ahead of them, and, look, we, we saw this week with Florida being ahead of Georgia what head-to-head means to the selection committee. So Northwestern would be ranked ahead of Ohio State. They would have the same number of losses. They would move ahead of them. That's going to put, a, put them ahead of almost everybody that they would need to get in front of. And, look, they also have a win over Iowa. Mm-hmm. And, and Iowa is, gonna, you know, is a solid top-20 team right now. So um, it's a bizarre scenario. But in the event that Northwestern somehow won the Big Ten, I think there's a chance they could just take the, you know, Ohio State spot, you know, just trade out one Big Ten team for another uh, in that number four position. So uh, that would be incredibly unforeseen, the possibility of, of, of a, an Iowa State or a Northwestern to get in the college football playoffs. Put them both but in, Brad. A, get them both in there. Put them there. both in. There you go. That was, <laughs> that's some, some quality entertainment there on New Year's Day. <laughs> About 90 seconds left here with Brad Edwards. And, Brad, you mentioned briefly Florida and, and Georgia and their rankings, but we need to spend a little bit of time on that. What do you think explains Florida losing to LSU and then only dropping one spot? I think, you know, when we talked about this last week, I told you my big takeaway from Iowa State jumping over 
Cincinnati was that the gap between seven, which is where Cincinnati had been, and six, which is where Florida was, was obviously a lot bigger than the gap going the other direction, you know, backward behind them. And, and I, I think that was reinforced by what they did with Florida, is that they just, they just feel like the gap between Florida and Cincinnati and those other teams behind Cincinnati was so big to the point where Florida could absorb a loss and they still felt like their body of work was better. It's either that or there really is a conspiracy at work where they're just trying to keep Florida close enough that if they were to beat Alabama, they can justify moving them back in the top four. You take your pick, <laughs> but I think either one of them is a legit explanation. Brad Edwards with us, uh, College Football Insider with ESPN College Game Day at J. Brad Edwards. And uh, should be a, an awesome Saturday of college football. Uh, we'll see uh, if uh, Nebraska Rutgers moves the needle Saturday night, Brad, as <laughs> the Nor'easter bears down. You stay uh, safe and healthy, and we'll talk next week. Thanks for jumping on today. I, I can't wait. We're supposed to get about a foot of snow. It should be uh, should be entertaining. So <laughs> you guys have fun. Hey, right, take care. There he is, Brad Edwards, with us. I don't know that Brad will be doing the old snowman thing, but uh, uh, big-time talent out of Norris, tight end, James Carney, Greg Smith, both next to Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time signing day 2021 for... Well, the early session, great stuff earlier today on Hail Varsity Radio. Teddy Prohaska was with us. Heinrich Harburg was with us. And uh, Marcus Buford spent some time. We'll hear from Greg Smith in just a moment. He's going to join the party. Uh, we're excited to be able to bring on uh, one of uh, the talented trio of tight ends. That is uh, James Carney with us here on Hale Varsity. So Elijah's going to try and not Is that fair? You're not going to hang up on either? Try my best. Okay, so we have Greg Smith right now. Greg, do you Hello. have us? How are you, man? I, I do have you. I am well. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. We're going to punch you in, and let's bring on um, James Carney, top row. James, you got us okay. Yes, I do. Hey, man, congrats on your day. Take us through your process, your patience, and, and ultimately uh, you know, your feeling after you signed this morning. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, you know, the recruiting process is a long process, especially for me, uh, you know, hoping for that Nebraska offer. And, you know, eventually it came in October. Uh, and, you know, today was a dream come true to, you know, finally become, you know, part of the Husker family and uh, be be among, you know, the greats that have played here. And uh, I don't know. It's a blessing. I'm, I'm truly blessed to, you know, be in this position. What type of pride do you feel as an in-state kid being able to go play at Nebraska? Uh, you know, I'd, I'd take that, uh, you know, seriously. You know, Coach Frost, uh, he uh, preaches uh, keeping the in-state kids uh, here. And, you know, I'd consider Thomas an in-state kid. And, you know, so that's like six kids. Uh, and, you know, that, that's pretty impressive, uh, you know, by Coach Frost. And, uh, you know, I know that we all trust him. And, you know, we, we're 100% going to get this program turned around. 
Hey, James Greg Smith here. Good to talk to you again. Hey, one of the things that uh, I talked to a bunch of you guys about is just how close this class has become, even in kind of a weird year, uh, without being able to have as many things in person together. Like, what would you say has kind of made this class be able to come together and bond like you have? Right. I'd say probably the use of social media. I mean, in the year of 2020, uh, I feel like being on your phone was sort of the thing. Uh, and I honestly feel like that helped us grow together. And, uh, you know, especially with how close everybody is, there's three Iowa kids in South Dakota and five, uh, you know, Nebraska kids. Uh, I mean, that, that's a ton of kids within, you know, a couple hundred miles. And, um, you know, on Sunday I was hanging out with Randolph down here. He came down and we uh, hung around the uh, hay market. Uh, might have snuck into Memorial, uh, you know that's, that's, that's undisclosed. But uh, not anymore. Uh, yeah, not, not anymore. But, you know, we we got a good look at the field and uh, the cardboard cutouts. But uh, you know, so we're definitely you know building relationships. Uh, you know, before we even step on campus. James, I don't mean any offense with this, but you were a bit of a late bloomer in the recruitment process. Uh, I didn't even hear your name really until this summer. Um, right. So. When did you realize that, hey, I, I could be good enough to go make a name for myself and even make a name for myself at Nebraska? Right, yeah. I'd take no offense by that because that's, a, you know, it's 100% true. You know, I was I was a no-name in January. So, uh, no, no, no offense taken. But, um, you know, I'd say probably around the Warren camp. Uh, you know, I was training with my trainer, Chris Christopher Slatt, uh, over here in Lincoln. Great trainer. Trust him with everything. Um, and, you know, he, he really got me, you know, to where I am today. Um, but, you know, we were training for, you know, the Warren camp and, you know, everything was just clicking that week and, you know, going up to the camp and, you know, when I ran that four, six flat 40 and, you know, showed out in, you know, the one-ons, um, I knew that was going to be, you know, the game changer for my recruitment. James Carney's with us, uh, standout at Norris, part of the 2021 class, three tight ends, James. And, uh, you know, take me through the vision offensively with what three tight ends can do in this offense. You kind of see it now with with Austin and Stoll, Austin Allen and Jack Stoll. I mean, both those guys do a nice job, but you've got Rollins, you've got uh, Fedoni, who's tremendous, and you're really, really talented as well. What can you guys do uh, in, in Big Ten play with Nebraska's passing game, and how can you help with the run game? Right. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, you know, I, I, I look at all three of us as different and same players at the same time. You know, I look at Thomas, obviously, you know, phenomenal kid, you know, super good at football, um, you know, number two or number one in the country. Um, you know, so he's obviously got a you know, target on his back. So, you know, he's, he's going to be a huge asset for Nebraska. I feel like in the past game, uh, you know, I look at him more of a receiver type tight end, and then, um, you know, I look at A.J. more of a blocking, you know, 6'6", 230, um, you know, still young. I mean, really young. And, you know, for – and then, and then you know, I look at myself and, you know, I'd, I'd say I'm right in the middle of those two. Um, you know, I can go out for routes. I can, you know, also stay in line and block. Um, so, you know, I feel like Coach Frost and Coach Beckton uh, really have a good, uh, you know, plan for all three of us um, – and they're going to develop us in, you know, unique ways. And, you know, we're going to be, I feel like, key, key assets in the uh, offense. 
Hey, James, one of the things that kind of I've gotten to know with you throughout this process is just, you know, and Elijah mentioned this about you being a late bloomer, like how much work you had to put in to get to this point. Um, For the people out there who have not heard your story about how much weight you had to put on and all of that and getting ready to then run that 4640 at the Warren Academy, walk us through kind of all the work that it took to kind of get there and the gains that you made between your junior and senior season. Right, definitely. It was, you know, it was Definitely not, definitely not easy. Um, you know, from uh, November, I was weighing like 193, uh, and then you know, sort of gained a little weight. And then in January, late or early January, uh, I was probably sitting at probably a steady 200. Um, and then you know, the Warren camp, I was sitting at 220, 220. Um, so you know, I put on a good uh, you know 27 pounds, 20 or 30 pounds. Um, you know, it, it was it was dedication to the weight room and it was dedication to the uh, dinner table for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, but like I said, Christopher Slatt, you know, I I give everything to him. Uh, he he was amazing. You know, I worked out with him, speed training, uh, weight training, and you know, I was with him five five six times a week. And you know, we're getting at, getting after it because he knows what it takes to uh, you know make a kid great. Last thought here, James, and I got a bit of a, a two-part question to get you out on here. Uh, you're yep. a local kid growing up around the area, so first question is, uh, growing up, do, do you call yourself a, a Husker fan? And then uh, following the, the results of the team the past couple years, what have you made of the team, and what have you made of uh, what Scott Frost is doing down there? Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely consider myself a Husker fan. That, that was the offer I've been looking for, and you know, like, like uh, when he offered me, you know, I didn't hang up the phone on him. Uh, without being committed. Um, so uh, definitely a Husker fan since, you know, I knew what football was. Uh, my grandpa was a huge Husker fan. He's been to every, like, consecutive sellout game from, like, 1960-something. Um, he passed away a few years ago, so I know he's looking down on me right now with a huge smile on his face. Um, and then along with Scott Frost, you know, with the, the offense and defense that he's running with the uh, – um, and with the plays, you know, I, I feel like they're right there. He always, every time, you know, me and him talk, he says he's right on the, right on the break of, you know, something great. And, you know, I, I truly believe that, you know, listening to Garrett Nelson's, uh, you know, conferences, you know, that kid, that kid is, you know, he, he bleeds Nebraska red and, uh, you know, there's a ton of kids on the team that do. And, you know, that's just something that's going to separate Nebraska from a bunch of other schools. James, congrats to you. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Thank you for sure. Thanks for having me. All right, James Carney with us uh, out of Norris, uh, one of the trio of talented tight ends. Greg Smith uh, back with us, staying with us. Greg, overall, uh, amazing job by Nebraska in a pandemic to land another top 25 class. Give me two kids you're most excited about as they can translate to to, to on-field success. All right, I'll, I'll give you one offense, one defense. Um, my offense answer uh, is uh, Henry Lukowski, the offensive lineman uh, out of Mount Pleasant, Iowa. Um, whenever you're talking about a, a 6'5", 320 kid who I, I don't think he's turned 18 yet. He's a young senior. Um, he's got really sweet feet for a kid uh, at that size as well. I think Greg Austin is going to love working with him. Um, and I think year two, you could start to see him um, make a move in the program. Um, and then the other kid is a local kid um, that I feel like when he signed, when Kobe Brett signed, it kind of went under the radar um, because Nebraska was one of his biggest offers. But I think that that's in large part due to what happened with COVID um, and him not being able to get out to different camps. 
um, that he might be the most athletic kid on the team. Like he's right there testing wise uh, with guys like Latrell Neville and Thomas Bedoni. I'm really excited for what Kobe Brett can bring uh, in that secondary, potentially outside linebacker in the mm-hmm. future. Greg, another guy I think is a little under the radar is Randolph Kapai out of uh, South Dakota. I was looking, and ESPN actually has him ranked above Thomas Fedoni in their rankings, um, but he's n- not a name that I've heard all that much in the recruiting cycle um, because I-, I think it's because he's from South Dakota. What do you make of that kid? I actually think you nailed it right there. I think that part of this is that he's from South Dakota, but anytime you have – you know, schools like Oregon, there's schools in the SEC that were after him. Iowa State was after him, too. Um, but he committed pretty early, like February of last year is when he committed, um, or February at the beginning of this year. So it's been a while. Um, he's a really talented player, um, a kid that could play inside or outside. Um, he's a good gift for Nebraska, continuing that tradition from Washington High School up in South Dakota. You know, Greg, a couple minutes here. Greg Smith with us, recruiting insider, HailVarsity.com and magazine at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. It's been a busy day, but overall, I mean, did Nebraska do what they wanted? Do you, do you get that sense, that feel? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was no drama. Everyone signed. Everyone signed by 10 o'clock. It was 9.58 when the, the final signature came in. Um, so that's all good. You, you can't help but be happy if you're in Nebraska about what happened with that, especially considering it's not like, you know, guys made decisions today on commitments that went uh, the other way from Nebraska. That hasn't happened either. So keeping everybody that you wanted to have signed, um, doing it really quickly, like you've got to feel good about that. Update on Savea and uh, the Hawaiian crew. Uh, what's the, the read there? So Savea is the one that we – I don't know for sure if he's signing this week or not. Like we'll, we'll see. I think Nebraska is in the position of they're trying to push him to sign this week and get him all locked up. Um, and I think a couple others, namely uh, UCLA, is trying to get him to wait until February to take his time uh, so that they stand a better chance. Um, I think the rest of the Hawaii kids, with it's Titus, wide receiver we talked about, Wendon Hooley, linebacker, Zen Sotelo, the defensive lineman, I think all of those kids will wait to sign until February um, and maybe announce commitments sometime in January, but none of those guys are going to sign until February. Greg Smith with us, HailVarsity.com Magazine. Five seconds, give me a letter, Greg. Uh, B. But you could always use more. You could always use more star, star power. But this is a really solid class, top to bottom, with any number of guys that I could see being big time later down the road. Greg, thanks for sitting in on the interview. Awesome stuff there, and great work with the, the class today. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks as always, man. He's in his thirties, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now. Say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Back to it. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, how are you? I'm great, Chris. How are you guys? Doing well, man. Interesting college football season. Uh, Kind of a party Monday night between Cleveland and Baltimore. And one of the teams that we're watching, trying to see if they make that playoff jump, is the Tampa Bay Bucks with Tom Brady, of course. You've got Gronky Kong, Sue, and Levante. And uh, the running game's been pretty underrated, pretty good for, for Brady. And let's turn to Ronald Jones. Uh, Dr. Brandon, tell me about that pin 
that if it feels like you're not part of the club at Tampa unless you have a, a, a pin put in a finger. And uh, Ronald Jones, a procedure Tuesday morning to have a pin inserted into his left pinky finger. That sounds horrific. <laughs> that sounds pretty legit. So, you know, a couple of things on that. The, the big issue with this always is, you know, obviously they'll that, make a big statement like that in the paper and, you know, have a pin put in and, you know, obviously as, a, as an orthopedic person, like, okay, well, what does that mean? Where, mm-hmm. where are you putting the pin? Is it metacarpal? Is it, you know, phalanx portion? So basically if we break this down anatomically to you know, think about, okay, most likely spot where they're placing this, it's probably in the metacarpal. So if you think about your hand and you go down to where your knuckles are, mm-hmm. you kind of take your fingers and go just above the knuckle, that bone that forms that's called the metacarpal. And then as you move further out towards the end of the finger, there's three little small bones that make up segments of that, and that's called their phalanx bones. Um, so, again, you obviously could have a fracture in any one of those spots. Um, you know, putting a pin in, you know, traditionally, what did that mean? Well, it pretty much kind of looked like that. It looks like a tiny little nail without the head part on it. And you basically line up a, the patient's either has a, some kind of nerve block or a local anesthetic in there that you know, gets a nice and numb form, or they go out to sleep for it. Most of the time, it's just a little local anesthetic. And then you use a little clamp to bring the two ends of the bones together. And then you bring a pin and bring the pin across those two fracture sites. And then you can either, A, cut the end of that pin off and leave it buried under the skin, or you can cut it off above the skin, leave it there, and then pull it out in clinic in a couple of weeks once the fracture heals. And that's kind of a traditional pinning process, if you will. Um, uh, my assumption here, just kind of based on the fact that these folks are trying to get back and play really early on, is this probably is a fracture in his metacarpal. That's the kind of bigger, longer bone that's kind of above the knuckle. Um, and in the process of saying pin, what I'm guessing they're probably alluding to is this is probably what we call an intermediary nail or a little uh, place that looks kind of like a nail or a mm-hmm. rod that goes actually down inside the bone, inside that metacarpal bone. And that would be more kind of in kind of inside the bone. And then you would basically, the end of that would kind of come out and you'd leave it below the skin and close it. With something like that, now it's under the skin, not sticking out. You could go ahead and play with something like that, and the infection risk on that, because it's below the skin, would be much less as opposed to if you're you know, trying to play with pins sticking out of the skin. You're sweating, you're playing, it's getting dirty, then your infection risk goes way up. And that's always kind of the big thing about you know, rushing these folks back to playing is the infection risk. You know, we can make a fracture really solid with the you know, amazing implants and technology we have now, but there's still a risk of you know, infection if you're out there running, playing, sweating on an incision. That's, that's pretty fresh. Dr. Brandon Seifert is with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, a Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking about Ronald Jones, the uh, pin in his pinky finger. This happened against the Vikings on Sunday. He uh, was blocking, fractured that left pinky finger, uh, went to the locker room, returned to the game, ran the ball 18 uh, times for 80 yards after said pinky injury. And I remember Chris Godwin, a really talented wideout for Tampa, uh, he he was kind of doing the Spock thing, right, where they had his ring finger and pinky finger taped together. He had a couple, like five pins, I heard, uh, Mm -hmm. play in in one of his hands and while it was taped and, and weird looking he he still balled he still played and you really can't call the guy for holding I would assume so uh, he, he went out there and did his thing but with Jones I, you know it makes a, a difference to me 
ball security wise, right, Doctor Brandon? Mm-hmm. If I'm Ronald mm-hmm. Jones and I'm and I'm a guy that is so good through the hole, he's so quick. Uh, depending on on where you're at on the sideline, um, you want you're going to switch the ball to the outside arm. But man, uh, if you got that left hand. Just from a comfort standpoint, backs tend to, to carry the football in, in their most comfort, like their dominant arm slash hand uh, until mm-hmm. they need to switch it. So I'm just wondering if just from a comfort standpoint, a turnover situation, because, you know, Tampa's fighting for their playoff lives. And they're in, but they don't want to screw anything up. So I'm just wondering how cautious they are with with what he can do. And they ask him to go and how long they hang with him with this type of injury. Yeah, absolutely. You bring up a really interesting point about you know, positionally, this return to play obviously varies. You know, your defensive back, your inside linebacker with this injury, your receiver, quarterback, running back, all those things do play a role exactly just in what you described in terms of the ball control and ability to do those things. And so that, that clearly is, is also a you know, consideration when trying to figure out when does he go back. Um, you know, but sure, you can play with all kinds of you know buddy taping and padding and all that stuff. Again, our biggest thing is always you know it's it, it's two things. It's one infection you know is real. It's a big risk. Obviously, that really changes your outcome long term if you get an infection in this area. Um, and then number two is obviously being able to protect protect your work, protect what you fixed. And so, and there's ways to you know to go about doing that. Um, you know, those pins are not very big, especially if you're talking the little pins that you're putting in the phalanx part, the smaller bones in the hand. Those are not very big, and, and oftentimes, if you're using those, they're, they're unstable fractures. So you really, in some ways, you are kind of rolling the dice with you know putting some of these folks back faster, especially with just pins. Um, you feel a lot more comfortable if you're putting somebody back on the field with you know plates and screws, you know a little bit bigger hardware. Uh, those are pretty robust and stable. You know we've, we've done that a lot, uh, but on the pin side of things, you really do have to exercise some some precautions with that. Doctor Brandon, what's recovery like? I know you have the pin in. How long do you keep it in? And when do you remove it? And then what's your your in, in Ronald Jones's case? What's the the pinky finger like post? Yeah, you're healed, but you're still. You know, you're still dinged up, I would assume, unless unless it's magic and it's all better once you pull the pin. Tell me about that little mm-hmm. post post polling situation. Yeah, sure. And so, you know, typically the pins, uh, any type of removal type of hardware and something like that, usually you're going to take that out in three or four weeks. Six is really kind of pushing it, but usually it's three or four weeks. That's gonna, You're going to slide that out because that fracture looks pretty good and it's pretty sticky and solid. Once that pin slides out, if it's three or four weeks in, I mean, you're still forming bone, still healing. So you still have to protect it some. And so those folks are going in some kind of protective splint cast or you just tough it out and you do the buddy tape and cross your fingers that they don't, you know, re-injure it or refracture it through that area. Um, how does the athlete feel? Uh, typically by three or four weeks, you know, those bones are pretty sticky. They feel pretty well. Obviously, you, if you take a direct blow of that area, it's pretty darn sore. Um also, just in terms of, you know, talking about the hand, you know, the hand in some ways is pretty unforgiving around the little knuckles and joints in your hand. If if you're immobilized, even for a short period of time, three or four weeks, those joints tend to get, tend to get pretty stiff pretty quick. And so you really do want to hit these pretty hard with therapy. And so it'll take some time for those folks to regain their range of motion. Uh, that's, the, that's the big part of it. That's always our big goal and focus of these. How quickly can we, you know, bring about range of motion to those joints because they really do stiffen up quickly. So that's what the athlete will feel. Getting that range of motion back, working out that kind of tightness we described, that capsular tightness, those tissues that surround those joints, and it can be a couple month process. Um, sometimes you never quite fully regain all that motion, those uh, small joints in the hand. 
Dr. Brandon Seifer with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Ronald Jones, our topic, the pin in pinky finger uh, surgery and, and uh, what's ahead for the Tampa back. Dr. Brandon, thanks for the time. We'll do this again. Absolutely, Chris. You guys take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time in the early signing day, a busy whirlwind for the uh, 2021 class. Nice work by Nebraska. I think Rivals has it in at number 19. And I think uh, 24-7 has Nebraska in 22 in the country, around third in the Big Ten West. Minnesota still up there. I know uh, Wisconsin's recruited pretty well, uh, more so than they typically do when it comes to stars, right? But a uh, really good uh, group of kids that came on today. Uh, James Carney, of course, uh, was with us. Uh, Heinrich Harburg, uh, Teddy Prohaska. And uh, Marquise Buford was with us. Greg Smith, some insight. Brad Edwards all over the college football playoff. And tell you what, um, Northwestern is not out of it. <laughs> I thought that uh, it's a more mere formality, right? A reminder about moving in 2021. Are you looking for a residential home in Lincoln or surrounding community? I mean, West Blue Realty is where you go. They're a six star. Not five, not four, not three. That's how good the folks at West Blue Realty are. Tom Luby, Kelly Hofschneider, make it happen. When you mention Hale Varsity, they can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a shout today at 402-540-3768 or Kelly Hofschneider, 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue Realty. 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Make an appointment today. You won't regret it. Let's hear a little bit more from uh, Scott Frost as uh, we wind down an early signing period Wednesday. And uh, just to to let you know, Thomas Fedoni's coach uh, from uh, Council Bluffs, Elijah, be with us tomorrow at 425. No? No, he will be. Okay. That's fine. I'm making sure I'm not messing up his name here. That's why I'm having you say it. Yeah. Uh, Let's call him Coach. Coach, sure. Uh, uh, Camrad. Uh, Justin Camrad. Camrad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You get there from Lewis Central, of course. Sure. You ever done a game at Lewis Central? No, I haven't. I've, I haven't done any games outside of the state of Nebraska, actually. Yeah, that's always a fun trip over to, to Council Bluffs with Cranach. Is it for the Cox TV game of the week? Yeah. See, I tend to avoid Council Bluffs. No offense to Council Bluffs, but. <laughs> Actually, some of some offense to Council there's, Bluffs. There's, there's lots. I loved going to Council Bluffs. We were doing shows last winter in the, in the casino. Oh, that's the best part of Council Bluffs. It was, uh, <laughs> actually, the football field where Fedoni's uh, mossing people was pretty good. If if you're a, a Nebraska fan, do we have time for uh, for Frost on Gabe Irvin, the running back out of California? Uh, he's really good. And uh, could be a guy that sees some time. I know we've said that in past signing classes, but Urban's pretty nice. 
He can do everything that we need a, a running back to do. Um, I think he, he's big enough to run physical. He's fast enough to potentially give us some more big plays. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. Um, his senior tape was really good. And his junior tape was really good, but his senior tape I was super impressed with. And you know, we we got uh, some young running backs in the in the room right now. He's going to fit in great with those. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch that competition. But but Gabe's a guy that. Uh, I look forward to coaching. Good stuff today. Nice haul for Nebraska. Amazing work by the staff. Back at you tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity. Thanks.